you to remain standing out of expectation for God to now speak to you through his powerful and perfect word and grab your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 8. It will be uh, useful to have a Bible open in front of you as we study God's word together. So if you don't have a Bible, we'd invite you to grab one of the blue Bibles that should be in a chair back in front of you and turn to page 800. And 65, uh, our studies through Luke's gospel continue on this morning as we want to look at verses 4 uh, through 21 of Luke chapter 8 together. So let me go ahead and, and read our uh, sermon text this morning, then let me pray briefly after that once again for God to bless our study in His Word, and then we will uh, begin together. So let us hear now as God indeed is now speaking to us through His Word. And when a great crowd was gathered, and people from town after town had come to Jesus, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed, and he sowed. Some fell along the path, and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it, and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God, the ones along the path are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but they have no root, they believe for a while, and in a time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on in their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. And as for those in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. For no one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under the bed or puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light, for nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care, then, how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Then his mother and brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. And Redeemer Church, what do we know about God's word? The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Let's pray together once again. Father, we bow before you now, acknowledging that you are a God who is good, that you are a God who is gracious. And so as we come to your word, we come to a word that means to Do good unto us and be gracious unto us. And so we pray that the Spirit would open our minds and our hearts to behold wondrous things from this text that we might keep it with faithfulness and obedience even this week. 
Let us indeed be like the fourth soil, that we will receive this word with an honest heart, with repentance and obedience, a desire to follow Christ and faithfulness. So help us to hear it with eagerness and with gladness this morning. Help me to preach with clarity and boldness, as your word says I must, as a dying man unto dying people. And help us to hear. Give us all ears to hear this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Not long ago, uh, I heard a pastor kind of summarize his 40-plus years in ministry before a group of seminary students, and some way into his exhortations, he began to reminisce about a condition in reality that every pastor is all too well aware of, which is the condition of the sleeping church member. And so he began to recount all these humorous stories that he had seen all over 45 years or so of ministry of people falling asleep as he was preaching God's Word. Now this, mind you, was one of the most influential preachers in America in the late 20th century, even world-renowned at certain levels. And he recalled multiple times watching people fall asleep and nodding their head ever farther down and eventually banging their forehead against the pew that was in front of them. He recalled a time when a young married couple both fell asleep in the sermon and they propped their heads up against one another in some sort of dream-filled repose. There was another time when one of his associate pastors was on the platform with him and about two-thirds of the way into the sermon he fell asleep, dropped his hymnal, calling all kinds of attention to the side of the platform away from the preaching of God's Word. But the most memorable one he recounted was the story of an elder who fell asleep. And as is often what happens, his wife subsequently gave him a good elbow to the ribs and he promptly woke up, stood up, and declared the benediction for the morning service (laughs) in the middle of the sermon. And I tell you that, I promise not to in any way cause you to be guilty of times past in which you have slumbered in a sermon. But I do tell it to you because it speaks to something all of us know is very true. That when God's word is preached, some people hear it. And some people don't. And that's what Jesus means to emphasize for us even this morning. That when he is proclaimed, there are those people who hear it and respond appropriately. But there are those who do not hear it. And even harden themselves unto greater condemnation. So what you need to know, if you've been with us in recent months as we've been walking through Luke's gospel, really from this point on in Luke chapter 8, we reach something of a turning point in Jesus' teaching ministry. So we've seen, it even comes in verse 4 of our text, that Jesus often found great crowds flocking to him. Town after town had people that were going out to see Jesus, to hear this celebrity preacher there early in the first century. And what he's going to begin to do really from this text on, in a way we're going to notice very often, he's going to intensify his use of parables. He's going to begin to preach and teach with greater mystery unto those hearers. And the idea is, is he is after, of course, sincere seekers after the truth, not merely just casual observers and listeners. That he means to use these parables just as you might remember the story in the Old Testament of God sifting Gideon's army down to just a small number of 300 soldiers. So what we're going to 
also find is Jesus began to teach in a way where he is actually sifting out those people who truly follow him. And it's quite a radical idea if you really give any consideration unto it because it's the idea that Jesus is intentionally reducing the number of people that listen to him. I would imagine it would be quite difficult if you went and told a preacher or pastor today to intentionally do that in his ministry of the gospel. But we want to discover this morning why it is uh, that Jesus is going to begin to use parables more frequently in his ministry. And so the simple theme of our text this morning is that true citizens of Christ's kingdom hear his word and follow in faith and repentance. And students, if you wanted to even make that a little bit shorter, what we could say in light of our text this morning is discipleship is all about hearing and responding to God's word. There is a central part that God's word plays in his kingdom. And we see it even in Jesus' ministry as he's inaugurating this new covenant kingdom of God. The word is utterly central, not only to his ministry, but then to the life of those that would follow after him. So the question that might even or maybe must come to our minds as we jump into this text, especially for those of you in here this morning that are professing faith in Jesus Christ, does a devoted hearing of Christ's word characterize your life in Christ? Is your week one in which you could honestly, before the Lord, say it is full of devotion to his word? And you might even be in here this morning, and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, But you know enough about Christian churches to wonder why it is exactly that Christians place so much emphasis on God's Word. Even in our service, praying it, singing it, reading it, preaching it. What's so important about hearing the Word of Christ? Well, we want to answer those questions in our study this morning. So I have have three simple divisions to kind of guide us through the text in order that we might hear as we ought in verse 4 through 15, the call is to hear the word fruitfully. Verse 16 through 18, hear the word carefully. Then verse 19 through 21, the call is to hear the word obediently. So first of all then, hear the word fruitfully. Now if you glance down at your Bible, I would tend to think that for many of you, you have something of your own division above verse 4, which probably says the parable of the sower. I think it's actually more appropriately titled the parable of the soils because what you'll see as Jesus' teaching continues in the text that the focus on this parable that is so well known and famous in Jesus' teaching is less on the sower and more on the soils. So kids, pause with me for a second and see if you can answer this question in your mind. What exactly is a parable? You could almost say it's little more than a story that teachers will use where this is like that. Or students, you might remember this from literature classes. It's a simile or metaphor. You might expand on it a little bit. Jesus often uses an earthly story to point to a heavenly reality. Or he'll talk about physical stuff and say that stuff is about a spiritual truth. And the parable that he's now going to utter in the hearing of the people is oh so simple, isn't it? Because just scan your eyes through verses five through eight. We have a sower with seed, and he's scattering about his property. In verse five, you'll see some of the seed falls on the path, but the birds come along and devour it. Then you'll notice in verse six, some of the seed falls in rocky soil, and the plant sprouts up quickly, 
but soon it dries up because it has no moisture. And then you'll notice in verse 7, some seed falls among the thorns, and these plants grow up, but eventually the thorns choke out the life of the plant. And then verse 8 is the good soil in which the plant grew and yielded 100-fold. And if you wanted to make sure you knew that Jesus has a spiritual meaning in mind with this parable, notice what he doesn't say at the end of verse 8. You see, he doesn't say in verse 8, he who has ears, let him hear. Presumably everyone in the audience had ears. But he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And we find out, don't we, if you glance in verse 9, the disciples, they heard Jesus, but they're not sure what the significance of this parable is all about. And I think we've all experienced something like that before. I hope it hasn't been recent in this church, but maybe you have left a Sunday sermon, gone home to eat lunch with your family over the table, and wondered to one another, I don't know what the preacher was on about in that sermon today. Or maybe, students, it was in a classroom setting where you walked out of the class and said, I have no idea what the teacher was talking about today. And if you've experienced that before, you have something of the sense of the disciples in this moment. They heard the parable, but they don't know what Jesus was after, why he was telling it to the crowd on this occasion. So what Jesus is now going to begin to do in verses 10 through 15 is tell them what the parable is all about. But he doesn't just tell them the meaning of the parable. Notice he begins in verse 10 by telling them the purpose of the parables in general. Look at what he says in verse 10. To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. The latter half, half of that verse is a quote from Isaiah 6-9 that's used oftentimes in Jesus' ministry. And what's fascinating is how the other gospel writers, Matthew and Mark in particular, have Jesus speaking about the purpose of parables to the disciples. So you can go home later on this day or, or later on this week and see how Matthew and Mark talk about this parable of the sower, this parable of the soils. And what you'd find in Matthew's gospel, after Jesus gives the teaching, he says, here's the purpose of parables. I speak in parables because of the hardness of the hearer's heart. Mark makes it even more pointed. In Mark's gospel, as he gives Jesus' further commentary, it's Jesus saying, I preach in parables so that their hearts may be hard. And imagine again that as a preacher. I preach in parables so they won't understand. And in their under, lack of understanding, they reveal their unbelief in me who the Father has sent. But Luke doesn't give us those comments, does he? He seems to just briefly and simply quote from Isaiah, which means in, in Luke's gospel, he's more intent, I think, to point out to us in Jesus' ministry, the parables had the purpose of doing one or of two things in those that heard them. So if you would have heard a parable at this time in the original context, Jesus is uttering them to either one, humble your heart. So reveal the truth to humble hearts, or secondly, conceal the truth from hardened hearts. He's beginning to separate the hearts of those who are listening to him. And some of you might know your Bible well enough to know that this is always what happens when God's word is proclaimed. That there's no kind of neutral encounter 
with the preaching of Jesus Christ. When he is lifted up, it's just as Moses lifted up his staff and the waters of the Red Sea parted. So when Christ is lifted up in the preaching of the word, hearers are parted. Some fall on the side of hardness of heart. Some fall on the side of humility of heart. Some the truth is concealed from. Some the truth is revealed to. And I hope you know it's God's grace unto you even this morning as we get the inspiration of the Scripture that He's revealing the truth to all of you as the passage continues. Because, of course, He gives us the meaning of the parable. Four different hearts is what He's emphasizing. So we know from the other Gospels as they add even a little more commentary. As the parable, we want to understand it rightly. We have the sower who is God's Son, the seed who is God's Word, and these four soils that are hearts of hearers. And the first soil we might call the hard heart. Now look at what Jesus says about this one in verse 12. The ones along the path are those who have heard, but then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. Preaching of God's law, it's never a terror that drives this heart to Christ. Or the preaching of the gospel is never a comfort that causes a hard heart to rest in Christ. It's just like Jesus is saying, if you've ever played racquetball before, just the ball will bounce off the wall back and forth as you're hitting it. This kind of a heart, the seed of God's word just bounces off of it. And even complicating the matter further, lest it actually eventually settle into that hardened soil, what does Satan do? He comes and picks it up so that the hearer may not believe. And so every time when we study God's Word together and you hear God's Word preached, uh, you need to know that it is in a very real sense spiritual warfare. Satan is on the prowl to make sure you don't hear it. To make sure you lose it, lest you believe in it. So it's a call to earnestness and diligence in hearing. So you have number one, the hard heart. Number two, you have the impulsive heart. The impulsive heart. Look at verse 13. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word of God, they receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in a time of testing, fall away. You might have family members or friends that fit this kind of a heart. There was a time in which so often it's in events, conferences, camps, or retreats, when there's an excited, even interested response to God's Word. But then what happens? Temptation comes along the way. Persecution, affliction may arise. And then that initial excitement about Christ Jesus just disappears. That interest and excitement are good things, but they don't matter if there's no depth of root in Jesus Christ. So you have the hard heart, you have the impulsive heart. Thirdly, the preoccupied heart. Look at verse 14. And as for those... As for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on in their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. So you think of a heart here that is trying to love Jesus Christ and the preaching of his word while simultaneously loving the world, something that the New Testament says is not possible. It's almost like a separated heart, divided loves. And what Jesus is saying is that this kind of a divided love 
longing for the fleeting pleasures of this life, its riches, its benefits. It's a separation that eventually results in strangulation of a fervor to be fruitful in Christ. So a hard heart, impulsive heart, preoccupied heart. Fourthly, the receptive heart. Because notice verse 15. This is the only soil in which fruit comes. And as for those in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Now, Jesus means even for us, as we study this together this, this morning, to ask a very simple question of ourselves. Which soil characterizes us most? Do you tend to be a hearer that is prone to hardness of heart? ambivalence to God's Word? Do you tend to be a hearer that gets really excited when you leave the preaching of God's Word on a Sunday, but by Wednesday and Thursday it's all but disappeared from your interest? Maybe it's even by Wednesday or Thursday you become so preoccupied with life that you can't even remember what God wanted you to know from His Word. Or is it the only good soil in which fruit is growing, increasing, and multiplying? So we have to hear the Word fruitfully And now he's going to say in verse 16 through 18, we have to hear the word carefully. A few weeks ago, I had an experience with one of our younger children that I'm sure many of you can recall from days past or even just weeks past. I had taken one of my sons that was doing something he wasn't supposed to do. I had pulled him into the room while Emily was at work and was trying to explain why exactly he ought not to do what he was doing. And I'm a teacher of God's Word, and I talk to little kids here at the RDS Chapel on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and so sometimes I think I can get through to a child, and so I kind of created my own little parable, an illustration of sorts, to demonstrate why he had, what he had done was something he shouldn't do anymore. And I was excited. I thought I was getting through, and then, of course, you look into his eyes after you're done with your instruction, and you see it's just like a glossy glaze of misunderstanding. Well, that sounds great, Daddy, but I have no idea what you're talking about. And so, of course, I tried something else, another tactic, another illustration, another analogy, and it's almost as though Jesus does the exact same thing for his disciples, lest they miss the importance of what he's saying regarding the significance of hearing in his kingdom. Because, kids, he's going to give us another mini-parable of sorts. So, kids, think with me. If you go into your bedroom later on tonight, and it's completely dark, and you want to turn a lamp on in your room, what are you going to do with that lamp after you turn it on? Leave it on a stand, or take it and put it under the bed? Well, you probably wouldn't you. Just leave it on the stand. And Jesus says, this is what we're to do with the light of truth that we know from his word. Because look at what he says in verse 16. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar, or puts it under a bed, but he puts it on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. And you'll see if you just scan your eyes through verse 17, he says, the preaching of the gospel, this is what you need to understand. He's saying to the disciples, you've received the secrets of the kingdom. You know this true light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as you preach that light, as you proclaim that light, as you make it known, verse 17 says, it will begin to make the way of the kingdom clear. It will begin to help people understand the secrets and mysteries of Christ's gospel. So don't hide it. 
is what he is saying. But interestingly, his application and exhortation, look at verse 18, goes back to hearing. He says, then take care how you hear. For the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. You must hear the word carefully. And understand what Jesus is saying here in verse 18 is probably something, especially if you've grown up in the church and are trying to devote your life to Jesus Christ, you've experienced at some level. He's saying to those who hear the word carefully, they receive more understanding. Those who hear the word carelessly lose what they even thought they had. So you, you might remember and recall times in your own life where you were devoted to read God's word daily. Gather with God's people weekly on the Lord's day to study and give praise to God as he's revealed his son to us through his word. And what tends to happen? You grow. You, you accumulate in your understanding. That which used to be a little bit unfamiliar to you is now very familiar to you. Yet the opposite is true, isn't it? There's a time maybe where you've drifted away from a devotion to God's word and what you even used to know very well two or three years ago you can't even recall what it was. And Jesus is saying the exact same thing happens with our hearing of the word. So students, I want you to listen to me right now, especially those of you that are soon maybe going to be independent. You're going to college. You're going to university. You'll soon be out on your own. There is always going to be a temptation of the evil one to drift away from this word. And Jesus' warning is you'll lose what you thought you had if you do not heed his word carefully. So the positive exhortation is do indeed be diligent to devote yourself to hearing God's word because his assurance, isn't it, in verse 18, it's going to grow. You're going to get more. There's going to be more faithfulness and more fruitfulness in your life if you not just hear the word fruitfully, but you also hear the word carefully. And then briefly, he tells us in verse 19 through 21 that we need to hear his word obediently because after Jesus is teaching he finds out his parents, or his, really his mother and brothers, have come to the crowd. They want to talk with Jesus. And notice what Jesus says in verse 21. He answered them, my, brother, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Now, you don't want to think, kids, that he's dishonoring his mother and dad, his brothers, by saying this. What he's just using is another teaching example, isn't he? He's saying, those who are in the kingdom of God are those who hear the word and do it. Something he's already told us in Luke's gospel at the end of chapter 6 when he says, the one who truly follows after him comes to him, hears his word, and does it. And isn't it even also a reminder to us, as Jesus says this, surely in the hearing of his family, that a historical connection to Jesus, maybe through your family or through a local church, counts for nothing if you weren't also hearing and doing his word, you must hear it obediently is what he says. Because discipleship in Christ's kingdom, it's all about hearing and responding to his word with faith and repentance. A couple weeks ago, I was reading a book about Puritans and Great Britain in the 17th century, and I came across this story of a Puritan pastor who opposed King James II. So if you know anything about that history, King James in the early 1700s, he and the Puritans didn't, didn't really get along. 
and oftentimes there'd be some kind of political legislation that was passed in order, it seems like, for no other reason than to just frustrate these Puritan ministers in the Church of England. And so one time the king passed this declaration and he commanded all of the pastors in the Church of England that they were to read it in their church building the next Lord's Day morning. So this feisty Puritan took that declaration, came into his church the next Sunday morning, and he says, the king says I have to declare this proclamation in the building. But that doesn't mean you have to listen to it. So you might as well just disappear from the building. So out went the congregation, and the pastor proceeded to read the declaration to empty pews, because nobody needed to hear it, he said. And we run the risk sometimes when we come into gathered worship of thinking, ah, I don't really need to hear it today. But you do need to know that the King of Kings, every time we come to his word, means to declare his gospel to you, and we have to hear it. The text is even telling us life and death hangs on our hearing. And so as we begin to conclude, I want to just point out a couple of implications from the text that I think we need to make sure that we don't miss, lest we not hear as we ought. So number one, we need to see that the necessity of hearing God's word renews our appreciation for his grace. The necessity of hearing God's word ought to renew our appreciation for his sovereign grace. Look back at verse 10 to see why I say that. He is again, of course, speaking to the disciples, and he says, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. This is an understanding that they didn't earn. This is a knowledge that they didn't merit. It was graciously given to them by God. And the same thing is true even for all of you, all of us in here this morning. True understanding, careful hearing of God's word, fruitful obedience to his proclamations is always only from his grace. And even that should encourage us as a church body because there's a propensity sometimes as God works through local congregations that we can become somewhat distraught and disheartened by the fact that there isn't this overabundance, hundredfold, three hundredfold growth in the fruit of our church. But the sower could have been discouraged, couldn't he have been? Scattering seed all about. And only one soil actually bears fruit. If you know the story of Jesus Christ, he could have been oh so discouraged because he started with these great crowds in which nobody could really even get close enough to hear him. And by the time he dies, rises again, and ascends into heaven, uh, there's only several dozen that are even left willing to claim faith in his name. So that's why the New Testament authors pick up on this language as we go about in our life and ministry together. Yes, we're planting, we're watering the seed of God's word, but who is it that gives the growth? God. So there should be a pronounced dependence in our life together in Christ as his people because it's only by his grace that anyone ever hears. But you need to feel the full force also about the urgency of the necessity of hearing, because I want you to see, secondly, the necessity of hearing God's word ought to lead us to an examination of our hearts. Not just an appreciation of God's grace, but an examination of our hearts, because I think that is the central encounter of this text. When you read it, and when you understand the teaching of Christ, the question is, 
Have you heard? Are you hearing? And understand from the fullness of God's word, we even read some of it earlier in John chapter 5, those who do hear in faith and repentance, to them belongs salvation. To those who do not hear, to them belongs condemnation. So maybe you're in here this morning and you haven't yet truly responded with faith and repentance to Jesus Christ. Maybe you enjoy hearing, bantering back and forth about the truth of Christianity, but you would never say that you've ever submitted your life to it. What you must hear right now as the Bible says that such lack of submission to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is sin that leads to eternal death and judgment. But the good news of Christ Jesus is that he speaks to you now. How is it that the sower still ordinarily scatters his seed in the world? It's through the hearing, reading, and preaching of his word. That he's calling out to you even now to know that he obeyed perfectly everywhere where you have disobeyed. That he suffered the wrath of God on the cross that you should have suffered. That he rose again three days later. He ascended into heaven, pouring out his spirit upon the world, the spirit that inspires the scriptures and empowers preachers and Christians to declare the good news, this light of the gospel of Jesus Christ that you might see it and understand this is the way into the kingdom. A response to God's grace presenting you Jesus Christ. So it calls us to an examination of our hearts. And then thirdly and finally, the necessity of hearing God's word calls for a consideration in how we listen. And what I mean by that is this. Did you notice as we kind of walked through the passage how much of Jesus' exhortation really relates to how you hear? Not merely that you hear, but also how you hear it. Go back to verse 15. Just notice how he packs all of it in even to one verse. He talks about the good soil of those who hear the word. Notice, with steadfastness, Honesty, goodness, fruitfulness, patience, five different things in one verse. Then, of course, verse 18 talks about carefulness. Verse 21 talks about obedience. So, lest we maybe miss the force of what Jesus is saying by way of application, just make it negative. What kind of a hearing does not please God and glorify Christ Jesus? It's hearing that's full of impatience, fruitlessness, a lack of goodness, no perseverance, hypocrisy, carelessness, disobedience. Take care, Jesus says, how you hear. So it's a famous parable, isn't it? Important teaching about hearing God's word that means we're supposed to hear it fruitfully, carefully, obediently. That I, I want to encourage us all that should lead us to a deeper appreciation of God's grace as He alone can open our ears that we may be able to indeed come to this truth. But also an examination and consideration of our hearts and how we hear. Because true citizens of Christ's kingdom, they're those that hear Christ's word in faith and repentance. And so may He give us all ears to hear this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are a God who is patient with us, that your word is living and active, 
that it is able to do that which we so often struggle to do, which is persevere in its power. Lord, I do pray that you would help us all as we want to grow in Christ, to be devoted to your word. I pray for those in the room that may have not ever yet responded to the good news of your son, would do so today, that they may know know the joy and life everlasting that awaits them in Jesus Christ. Help us even as a church body to encourage one another in our hearing, to pray for the preaching of God's word, to exhort one another in the daily reading of God's word, always seeking to edify and encourage one another in your precious promises. So help us, we pray, to grow into Christ's likeness as you mold us and shape us into him through his very word. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.